0: Welcome to Making the Rounds, a podcast by the American Medical Association. Today, we're featuring an episode from our AMA Update podcast series, What I Wish I Knew in Medical School, where physician leaders and experts answer questions from medical students like you. Hello, and welcome to the AMA Update video and podcast. Glad to be joined today by Dr. Bobby McComala. An otolaryngologist from Flint, Michigan, and immediate past chair of the AMA Board of Trustees. and He's going to be talking with us about what he wished he knew in med school. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Dr. McCommel, it's great to have you here today.
1: Great to be here. Thanks, Todd. Excited for this conversation.
0: Well, you recently spoke at an AMA hosted event at Northwestern University Feinberg School of Medicine for medical students on this very topic. in that uh, discussion, you said that as a medical student, you wished you'd spent uh, a little bit more time focusing on the art of medicine in addition to the science. Why don't we just start off by talking about what you meant by that?
1: Yeah, you know, it, uh, you know, everyone thinks of medical school as you know lectures and hours spent in labs and rooms and with cadavers and microscopes, learning about the science of our bodies, which is obviously the fundamental reason that we're, that we're paying that tuition and, and spending all those hours there. Uh, but we use the term, you know, the art of medicine, mostly when talking about interaction with with patients uh, and doing it in a way that recognizes the uniqueness of of our own sort of individual humanity, right? Me as a human taking care of this person as a human. But the term also applies to sort of the non-science part of our jobs, um, you know, and as, as leaders of healthcare in our country. And so some jokingly refer to it as not the non-science part but the nonsense part which is you know not really true because whether it's nonsense or not in our mind we deal with the consequences and so knowing that a patient you know suffering difficulty managing their diabetes and and needs a certain drug regimen that's the science part but the art is knowing how to get that patient that drug in the maze of prior authorizations and, and cost considerations and all this stuff. And that's not something that that I ever learned in a lecture room um, or in a hospital um, room um, on my rotations. And it's just not something that we need to wait until we're in that situation and practice and then realize, what do you mean I can't get this drug for this patient, right? And then trying to figure out that whole prior authorization process. That art is knowing about the history of insulin and how it was given away for free, but now it's cost prohibitive for many patients. That's the art that I spoke that I spoke of there at Northwestern. And you know, at that time, you know, when I was in those student seats, I was self-centered, sort of internally focused. You know, young medical student, and the universe revolved around me. Um, and my my wife, who was my girlfriend back then, would totally be nodding and agreeing with that. But but that lack of awareness of others, the community that I was working within that's what I was trying to sort of impart on them, is to become aware of the world in which we practice.
0: I was really struck, because uh, I did get to see you actually make that presentation. You know, you spent a uh, big part of your early career kind of uh, uh, coming to that conclusion, that uh, it was not only you know an opportunity, but a responsibility uh, to make changes like that, and that you could do it not by becoming a lawyer, which you talked about was one of your options, but by becoming part of organized medicine. when you. When you advise medical students today, you know, how, what do you say about how they should recognize opportunities for advocacy and when it's important to act on a larger scale?
1: Yeah, I think that that um, recognition comes from looking at patients that we're taking care of um, and, and stepping up from that ground level challenge of helping them be healthier to a level that looks at the landscape that affects their health, right? So telling a diabetic patient to eat a certain way and then move on to the next room in the next patient Versus stepping back and realizing that that patient lives in a community that we would refer to as a food desert sometimes, where there isn't access to healthy foods, where everything is processed and packaged because there just isn't anything fresh. That stepping back and observing is when we're often moved and motivated by something that we see. And it's going to be different for each of us. Um, you know, every medical student will have something different that sort of either tugs at their heartstrings or or tugs at their intellectual strings that makes them sort of want to dig a little deeper. Some will be moved by those social social determinants of health. Some will be moved by the nature of the bureaucracy of prior authorization. Some will be moved with the cost of insulin, right? Or the cost aspects of the care that we deliver. So whatever it is that sort of makes our heart rate go up a little as we consider it, or that adrenaline surge or that, that opportunity to advocate, that's what we should use as motivation to sort of look at that forest and improve the nature of that forest. And, and, and I promise you that there's an avenue through which to cha- cha- to channel that energy. And, and the AMA is primed and ready to go to help you channel that energy, to, to be the influencer
0: of healthcare, not just in the exam room,
1: but in the country as a whole.
0: Uh, do you think the uh, younger uh, Dr. Bobby McCamilla would have uh, thought that one day he would become board chair of the AMA?
1: No way, <laughs> no way. Yeah, he, uh, he would have looked at me and said, "Oh, that's not me." You know, that's a that's a, it's a, a identical twin that he didn't know he had. But uh, but you know, I would look at him and say, "Hey, you know, that's this is naivete speaking." I um, mean, I can say that to myself. I wouldn't say that to anybody else. But. Uh, but what you think is the extent of the healthcare universe is much bigger than that, right? It's like being on Earth and then realizing that there's all these other planets in our galaxy. It's that sort of epiphany that happens.
0: When you think about kind of the steps that led you from where you were there as a med student and to uh, you know the leader that you became, how do, how would you advise then students today to look for, participate in leadership opportunities that enable them to make changes? You're talking about.
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, the first step is just to sort of become aware of those things that will either uh, improve your ability to take care of your patients or impede your ability to take care of your patients. Just be observant about these other forces that exist. Um, And then, you know, start to think about, okay, what is it, where is it that I can apply my energy or my intellect um, to address those issues? Um, And that's where you start to look for opportunities to solve problems, right? We by nature of the fact that we're going into healthcare, are, are doing it to solve problems. I do otolaryngology to solve the problem of hearing loss. right? It's just sort of my second nature. So then when I see something about, okay, the solution to the hearing loss is this, but so-and-so is stopping me from doing it because of something like prior authorization or the cost, then I want to also solve that problem. And so that's what I would say is, don't don't let that be a barrier, see it as another opportunity to learn a skill to address that problem also. Not the problem that exists within my exam room, but the problem that exists between what I ask for in my exam room and what the patient gets when they're at home, right? There's a whole lot of in-between steps there that we're not aware of early on in our training. And that's the purpose of, of conversations like this is to make us aware of the nature of that
0: forest. You took care of the nation. It's time for the nation to take care of you. The AMA stood by America's physicians and patients during the pandemic, and we're not stopping there. We're fixing prior authorization, leading the charge on Medicare payment reform, supporting telehealth, fighting scope creep, and reducing physician burnout. It's time to rebuild, and the AMA is ready. To learn more about the AMA Recovery Plan for America's physicians, go to ama-assn.org slash time to rebuild. We're hearing a lot from medical students uh, these days, uh, real concern about how to distinguish themselves as candidates for resident, uh, residency positions, uh, especially given changes to the USMLE Step 1 and Comlex uh, going to pass-fail. So uh, the idea and, and opportunity to use leadership positions, say, in organized medicine is taking on, I think, some greater importance, that's what we're hearing. You have the chance to interview students for University of Michigan Medical School and residencies. How do you take into account past leadership experience when you evaluate someone? Why is that so important?
1: Yeah I mean that that experience means a lot to me and and to the University of Michigan. So you know every Saturday in the fall we go to our, our Michigan football games down the road in Ann Arbor and and we sing Hail to the Victors and in Hail to the Victors there's a line that talks about the leaders and the best. So At the University of Michigan. They take leadership very seriously. It's something we look for in our applicants. You know, our country needs all types of doctors. We need those people that are in smaller communities, taking care of their communities and and being that critical sort of safety net. But we also need people in places like D.C. and our state capitals advocating for those physicians to be able to provide that care in the least impeded way by hassle factors and stuff like that. And so, you know, when, what we look for in, in applicants to, you know, at the University of Michigan are for those people that are going to also fill those leadership roles. Um, and, and we should be aware of what that skill set is and then look for that in our application process. And, and that's something that can be cultivated within an organization like the American Medical Association, right, where where you know the organic chemistry, you know the, the biology, and, and that's why you got, a, uh, you know, an MCAT score. But now as that gets to be pass-fail, and, and USMLE becomes pass-fail, and so the ability to get into residency is measured by something more than just book knowledge. It's the leadership skills, it's those soft skills, I think, that can be developed in an organization like the AMA and refined, where you can demonstrate that not only do I know the science enough to be able to take care of my patient, but I know sort of the universe of healthcare enough that I can truly be an advocate for them and be a leader within that universe. And that's something that really appeals to us
0: when we interview Well, given that it's Medical Student National Advocacy Week, it's a perfect time to talk about why it's so important for medical students to get involved and have their voice heard on the issues that are important to medicine right now. Sometimes we hear, though, from students, uh, you know, issues around, let's say, prior authorization or telehealth or Medicare payment, you know, they're not top of mind. They're busy trying to succeed in medical school. What do you say to someone who said, you know, listen, there are issues out there that you should care about, even though they might not be affecting you right at this moment.
1: Yeah, yeah. I guess what, what I would say is, I'm midway through my career, right? So the things that I was passionate about 22 years ago when I first started my practice, they still motivate me, but naturally that fire is probably a little dimmer and burns a little bit cooler than, than it did back then. And so outside our circles, it's important to convey that the lawmakers that we're meeting with have an enormous ability to affect the careers of the youngest among us our medical students the most right and so who better to carry that message than the people that it affects the most right the decisions that we make now have the biggest impact on them you know just you know, for example private equity right there's a huge influence of private equity on healthcare right now as far as acquiring practices and it has a huge differential impact on early career physicians versus late, you know, near retirement career uh, physicians. And if the only people that are driving that conversation are the ones that are sort of late career, that make the that gain the most from that influence of private equity, and then the younger voices are missing from that table because they just don't feel adept at, at sitting at the table and having that conversation, they haven't, they haven't been in that environment, then they're really suffering for that. And we don't want that to happen. I don't want that to happen. Right? I don't wanna just protect healthcare for a certain segment of the physician population. I want to make sure that all voices are represented when those decisions are being made. And that's why it's critical for early career physicians to be adept at having those conversations. There's a little bit of a skill set required and that's what can be gained by interacting with, with folks at the American Medical Association.
0: Well, just in closing, what's one thing that you would want medical students and even those who advise medical students to hear today?
1: Yeah, you know, healthcare is so much more than, again, as we said, knowing the science and working with our patients in our own exam rooms, offices and operating rooms. And, and we make a major investment of time, of effort, of financial resources to get to the point where we can take care of our patients in those rooms. But when we finally get to the point where we're taking care of them and only then to realize all these other forces and influence that make it harder to provide that care, that's pretty late in the game. And so, what I would say to them, the one thing is realize and familiarize yourself with the resources that will help you in this entire universe of healthcare to be a better doctor instead of just focusing on the interaction you're having with one patient at a time in the exam room. That's the foundation. But we need to build on that by awareness of the overall landscape of healthcare. And that's where the American Medical Association has a critical role to play to help you be that advocate for your patient outside the exam room.
0: Well, thank you so much, Dr. McComla, for all your advice. And medical students out there, I urge you to find out how the AMA is supporting you today as medical students and protecting your future as a physician. In the meantime, you can find all of our videos and podcasts at ama-assn.org podcasts. Thanks for joining us today. Please take care. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to follow Making the Rounds on your favorite podcast platform. Learn about the other AMA podcasts by visiting ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thanks for listening.